All right, we're going to jump into Nehemiah today. So Nehemiah comes on the heels of Ezra. We've been looking after the past number of weeks. And uh, we've kind of discussed those books go together. And we left Ezra. He had been working with the people to kind of get them back on track spiritually. So they'd worked on the temple. They've got the altar. If you remember, they were in uh, exile. Uh, from Babylon took them away. And then the king released them to go back and rebuild their city and put their kind of their religion back together. Ezra goes and he says, man, you guys are kind of blowing it. You're missing out on the law. You've, you've intermarried. You've, you've kind of fallen apart. Even though you've built the temple, which is great, your, 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 your hearts are off. So Ezra goes in and he starts correcting things. And, and his book, that book kind of ends in a little bit like, well, they're just sorting things out. If you hear last week, he says, man, this is serious. You guys got to you guys got to make things right with God. And people are like we know we do. It's been raining so much lately. It's hard for us to do that right now. So it might take us some time. And that's like really what happens at the end of the book. End of the book, and then it moves into into Nehemiah. And Jeff, uh, Jeff Sager is here right now. But he came up to me last uh, week and said, "Man, I don't know. Like, I don't ever. Is that the story? Like, I always thought it was a better story. I thought Ezra was a better story. And it's not a, a, a bad story. Uh, what's happening? Ezra is, a, is an amazing man. He's faithful. He fasts. He's praised. He he takes this major leap of faith." But it doesn't really fix anything. And so going to Nehemiah, it's the same thing. And that's a sort of what we're looking at here at these, at these books. It's, it's, yeah, there's some good stuff happening. God's bringing people back to a place of worship. And there's some repentance. But you just kind of see it happen again and again. I think we'll be able to move through Nehemiah a little quicker because uh, we've done the background. It really is a lot of the same story. And it shows us the, the brokenness in the religious system. That's part of the point of telling this, this story. Right? And there's tons to unpack. We're, we're heading toward this reality with Ezra and Nehemiah, who, who are great leaders. And there's leadership books that are written about them. And there's all these anecdotes. And, and they're fine. But, and, and they lead with hard work. And they pray. And they fast. And they dig into God. But it doesn't really fix the innate problem, the, the brokenness of the people. And the people throughout the Old Testament of this quick survey, right? They're always kind of looking for to get back to where they were. Like, ah, oh, if we could just get a king back again, if we could just get a kingdom back again, if we just had David, if we just had land, if we just had our big temple, uh, we can have peace. They're always looking at these external things. If we could just get that, then I will be better. Then we'll be at rest, which is all of us in some, some regard. Ah, oh, if I could just get that job, if I could just make that much more money, if I could just travel more, if I could just have more friends, if my spouse was just a little bit more this way, then I'll be better, right? If I could just find the right church, if I could just find someone who understands, then I'll be better. And those aren't bad things, but it doesn't really get us better. And so what is it? What, what is it that brings peace? As we move through the end of this Old Testament narrative, what brings peace is Jesus. So this is where it's, it's pointing us here. And so as we get toward the end of, these, end of the Old Testament, if it's, if it's all fine, and it kind of takes away from what's going to happen when we enter, enter the Gospels. Because we're all just a little bit frail, we're a little bit broken. No matter how much we dress things up on the inside, there's still a part of us that's just a little off, that needs healing, it needs work. It's going to be at un, a little bit off, off kilter, a little bit at unrest. And just who we are, even though people come, and we'll see Ezra and Nehemiah, they give them a word, they believe it, okay, yes, yes, you're right. They kind of go back to the same old thing. Because inside, there's just a deeper brokenness than just our behaviors. I was having lunch with uh, Nick a couple weeks ago. We're driving to pick him up, and uh, up in this area, we're going downtown to have lunch. 
And you go down Telegraph, and you know there's the Five Points deal, there's Main, and it goes off to Thompson. It's kind of a you know busy little intersection. And we go, and I start to go down Main Street, start turning right on Main. I remember, oh yeah, there's construction on Main. I'm going to jump over to Thompson. I take a quick check in the mirror, and there was somebody pretty close, but I can make it. And I'm just like, Phew. and I, I'm 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 cutting this person off. I'm saying, sorry, lady, sorry, I'm coming over. And she was ticked. Nick was Nick could testi testify to that. Uh, she was behind me, and I could kind of see her glaring. I didn't want to look, and I'm like, I'm hoping it's not a church person. I thought maybe it was. It looked like a, it was a, some kind of Subaru. I thought, oh gosh, that's Allison. She doesn't know who I am. She's gonna drive by, giving me the finger, like, oh, pastor, sorry. I'm like, sorry, I cut you off. But but I wasn't really sorry. I mean, I was kind of sorry, but I was doing it right. It wasn't a mistake. I knew I was going to do it, right? I knew I, I, I was going to jump lanes here. Um, I felt like it was safe, but I was going to do it anyway. I was like, sorry? Am I sorry? Like, is that just a mistake? It's like, nah, I don't, I'm going to do it anyway. Right? And so, so when we talk about the people's kind of brokenness and all of our brokenness, there's these differences. We all make mistakes, but there's something deeper than just making mistakes. We've, we've looked at some of this in our starting point classes, uh, our groups. There's mistakes, and there's also this idea of sin. Like, we don't like to talk about that, but there's just this brokenness about us that you know it's wrong, you're going to do it anyway. Like, yeah, it didn't really make a mistake. I, I, I sinned. I did this wrong. And so for the, the people, as they're kind of journeying here, it's not like they don't know. They don't know the, they know the laws and the regulations. They know what God wants from them, what God desires of them, the way they should carry themselves. And then they do something else anyway. It's like, oh, I made a mistake. No, there's, there's, a, there's a bigger brokenness there. It's like they're saying sorry as they're doing the wrong thing. Like, sorry, I'm doing this anyway. Are you really sorry? And that's a, that's a, that's a weighty issue for humanity because we like to say that. Like, oh, I'm sorry. Like, you're not really sorry. It was an accident. It wasn't really. You knew you were doing it. You knew it was wrong. And so the people here, they're, they're not in the dark at this point they, uh, about what they sh how they should be living and they go back to these places anyway. So Nehemiah gets going. Uh, just a real quick kind of overview. Some of us will learn something, hopefully, uh, through these, these, these talks about the text. Uh, so you got toward the middle of the Old Testament, you got uh, Esther, Ezra, and Nehemiah, these, these books. And in my Bible right now, they're kind of like right here. This is Nehemiah. Uh, these are but really the last books of the Old Testament. So your, your Bible, most of us, maybe you've heard this or you don't know, it's not necessarily put together in chronological order. So we get after these books, and there's a whole bunch of more Old Testament to go. Uh, it's going to be prophets, there's some poetry, and the way they organized it at one point is, hey, let's, let's categorize these books. So this is going to be a, a section of this type, a section of this type, a section of this type. So Nehemiah... I've mentioned this, but it, it helps when you're, when you're looking at the, the text and, and reading it toward the New Testament. This is really the last, last story. This is it. This is the end of the Old Testament era. There's some prophets that we'll, we'll see turn up in, the, uh, in these stories, like Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi, these little minor prophets in the, in the, in the very end of the book. But they're, they're speaking during these times. So those prophets fit into these, these books. So you have Esther. Some of you know the story of Queen Esther. She had favor with... Persia. She did some, we'll look at this book another time. She, she was able to free the people living in, in exile. From, they delivered them from like execution. Ezra comes in. Nehemiah comes in. They're all kind of a little bit contemporaries, probably you know, some, some degrees years off. So that's what's happening here. So when Nehemiah opens up, he's talking about the same city that Esther was in. So there's this great connection. For those of you who love to dig into that stuff, there's a ton of connections here between these two, these two stories. So Ezra opens up. Excuse me, Nehemiah opens up. 
And I'll just read some of it and then we'll walk, walk through it. In the late autumn, in the month of, excuse me, late autumn, in the month, month of Kislev, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, I was in the fortress of Susa. Hannah, one of my brothers, came to visit me with some other men who had just arrived from Judah. I asked them about the Jews who had returned from captivity and about how things were going in Jerusalem. So he's in, he's, Nehemiah is working for the king um, Artaxerxes in, in Persia. He's part of his court, so we'll find out he's a cupbearer. Some guys come back from Judah, uh, where they were working on the temple, and they come back from Jerusalem. He's like, so how's things going there with everybody? They said to me, things are not going well for those who return to the province of Judah. They are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down, and the gates have been destroyed by fire. When I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned, fasted, and prayed to the God of heaven. So he's getting this report for, for his people. They had, he knew they had went back. Remember, it's this four-month journey. It's been years and years. They restored the, the, the temple and the altar. Uh, the city, it seemed like, all right, they're kind of on their way to getting things going again. Say, hey, so how, how's things going there anyway with everyone who went back? And they're like, dude, it is not going good. The walls are, are down. The gates are destroyed. Uh, the city's kind of in, in, in ruins. So it was kind of this high point of this release to go back and rebuild. And it's like, uh, it's not good at all. It's actually terrible. And Nehemiah, he just starts to, to weep and pray and fast, and he goes before the Lord. He has this really kind of cool prayer. He just goes to God. He's, he's a God, you are who you say you are. You said this would happen if we, walked, if we turned our backs on you. He said, sort of, sort of forgive us, have favor on us once more. And he's, he's, just, he's just pleading on behalf of the people, even though maybe he wasn't necessarily guilty. We saw Ezra do this as well. He said, Lord, I'm so sorry for everything. You're right. We deserve this. But, but, would you help us out of this situation? Is there a chance you can find some favor here and give us a chance? And he says this. Give your servant success by granting him favor in the presence of the man. And what he's talking about is he's the cupbearer of the king. He's thinking about, man, we need to do something about these walls. We've got to get our city fortified. We've got to protect the, the, the temple and the altar and the people again. And as he's praying in this process, remember this is days He's not just asking that God would do something. He begins to think of a plan. I'm going to do something. I'm going to do something. We need, we need deliverance here. We need someone to, to lead this. I'm going to do something. So I'm going to ask the king if he'll send me back to build the walls. And so he prays to God, would you give me favor? Would you grant me favor to this, to this man? And he just spends time in the presence of God. And I don't know what that process was for him. If he kind of thought right away, like, oh, my gosh, I got to go myself. Does he go to God and starts praying? And say, Wait, maybe I'm the guy. Like sometimes you could be the answers to your own prayer. You don't want that. Or the prayer for somebody else. God, would you just please do something? And God's like, well, why don't you do something? Oh, uh, I don't know. Never mind. But he's going through this time with the Lord and, and he's, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of a plan. We'll find out from Nehemiah. He's, he's a pragmatic guy. And he, he's, he's thinking how it could work in the time and what he would need. And he begins to get this vision that he's going to pitch to the, the, the king of, of Persia who is, uh, he's close to but doesn't have any interest in Judah. Past kings have released these guys but they haven't really followed up. They said, all right, go. Here's some money. Go figure it out. Nehemiah's going to come, hey, you know what? We kind of need some help again. 
And he comes up with this plan. I appreciate about this person, and again, for, for so many of us who are going before the Lord and something in your life, a relationship or, or, or money or whatever, and it's like, God, would you just do something? God's like, yeah, I'm here, but you do something too. Let's, let's get you moving on this also. And he begins to, to come up with this plan. So chapter two, he goes on. That was chapter one. It's a lot of prayer. It's, it's Nehemiah getting this, this vision and this call. Uh, Cupbearer to the kings, so maybe you're familiar with this idea, very close to the king, uh, would, would taste the king's you know, wine. He was in charge of you know, getting the king drinks. So if there's any poison in that, the cupbearer would take a sip first um, and then give it, to the, give it to the king. Excuse me. Early the following spring, I was serving, in the king, I was serving the king wine. I had never before appeared sad in his presence. So the king asked me, why are you looking sad? You don't look sick to me. You must be deeply troubled. And this is kind of an interesting little exchange. He's before the king's like, I never look sad before. You're going before the king. You put on your happy face. You do the wine and, and everything's good. But he's just, he's just wearing this sadness over him. And the king notices it. Say, hey, you're not sick. So what's going on? What's, what's going on with you? He said, then I was terrified. Oh, no, he knows. He knows something. And maybe he's going to ask me, now I'm going to have to say something. I was terrified. But I replied, long live the king. How can I not be sad? For the city where my ancestors are buried is in ruins. And the gates have been destroyed by fire. The king asked, well, how can I help you? With a prayer to the God of heaven, I replied, if it pleases the king, and if you are pleased with me, your servant, send me to Judah to rebuild the city where my ancestors are buried. Buried. So he's carrying this, this sadness. God opens up this door by the king. King notices it. Because sadness is powerful, right? We, we wear that. Sadness is one of the most powerful of human emotions. I think sometimes it's more powerful than love. It's, it's, I, you know, I've been through that this past year. I've just processed, man, I'm just sad. I've had people come up to me and say, man, you're looking much better now. I'm like, oh, thank you. Like, I didn't know I looked bad before, but thank you. I feel better. Because you wear it on the outside, too, whatever's going on in here. And so he's wearing it all over his face. And the king opens up this question. And it's like God's like, all right, I'm going to start leading this thing along now. And he's terrified. Oh, shoot. He's going to ask me, what am I going to say? You know when you're hurting and you're, and you're just feeling broken? And you really want to share with people and you really want some help. But you're also terrified if someone asks you if you want help. You're terrified if someone asks you how you're doing. Oh, boy, please don't ask me. And sometimes you share, and sometimes you're like, oh, I'm good. Most of the time, I'm fine. And so he's in this moment, and he's, he's, he's just feeling that. Like, yeah, there is something deeply troubling me. I, 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 my heart is broken for my, for my people. And if the king asks me, i got to ask him. And, and I love this, this language that he kind of puts together. He says, he's terrified. The king says, how can I help you? And he says, with a prayer to the God of heaven. He's like, all right, here we go. Lord, I'm doing this. With a prayer to the God of heaven, I'm going to say what's on my heart. I'm going to say what's on my mind. I'm going to say what I really, how I'm really feeling and what I need. How can I help you? Sometimes that's a terrifying question in itself. Because we all would say we need help. But a lot of times we like help. We want help. But it's hard to receive help. How can I help you? Ah, I'm good. You're not good. You need help. Nehemiah, he could have said, oh, I know, I'm kind of going through something, but I'm good. We'll figure it out. He's like, no, I need help. 
I, I need help from somebody else. And he loved the Lord and he was close to God and he knows God's going to move, but he still needed help from someone else. And so the king is there and he's, he has, he's been, you know, Nehemiah's got favor and the king said, all right, let's, let's do this. Uh, let me send you on your way. What, what do you need? And the king asked him, how long is this going to take? Because the king kind of liked Nehemiah to be with him. So how long is this going to take you, do you think? And Nehemiah had calculated this. He said he took some time and he figured it out. He knew he needed to do some kind of scouting, but as best as, as, best as he can formulate, he had a plan for the king. I do need help, but I, I have this plan. I've been thinking about this. And the king, uh, again, grants him, grants him favor in this, this, this chapter to kind of go and do this. Again, so Zerubbabel had this favor from the king. Ezra had the favor from the king. And Nehemiah now has this favor from the king. And these are pagan kings who don't care about Jerusalem at all, really. But they care about these people, and God's moving that way. So the rest of chapter 2 goes like this. It's, this is kind of cool. So he goes to Jerusalem. Uh, and so three days later, I slipped out during the night, taking only a few others with me. I had not told anyone about the plans God had put in my heart for Jerusalem. So he's like, I, I have a plan. I feel pretty good about it, but I don't think I'm going to tell anybody yet. I'm, a, I'm still a little nervous about that. Because what if I get there and like, oh boy, this isn't going to work. Like, he's just kind of, he, he wants to figure things out a little more first. And I don't know, Ezra didn't seem like that guy. Ezra's like, oh, we don't need any help. We don't need uh, people to protect us. We're just going to go. And that's his kind of leadership for his people. But Nehemiah's like, you know what? I, I kind of want to check this thing out. I'm going to keep it to myself for a little bit. I got a plan for the king. I want to I assess the situation, which is fine. That's a good way to lead as well. So he sneaks out in, in, the, in the night, it says. He hasn't told anybody. He's got a few guys with him. Uh, what God had put on his heart for Jerusalem. He's got, um, you know, they're, they're kind of mounted on, uh, they've got a couple of pack animals with him that he's riding. He said, after dark, he went through the valley gate, past the jackal's well, over the dung gate to inspect the broken walls and burn gates. Then they went to the fountain gate and to the pool. And, to the, and he's going all around the city. So it was still dark. I went into the valley, inspected the wall before I went back and entered again through the valley gate. So he's going all around the city. You can read some of this in your own time if you like, but he's, he's checking all these specific parts of the city. And the city officials did not know that he was there, what he was doing. I had not yet said anything to anyone about my plans. I had not yet spoken to the Jewish leaders, the priests, the nobles, the officials, or anyone else in the administration. God had moved on my heart, right? He's moved on his heart to do something. He's not at this point, at this time, a Jewish, any of those leaders. He's not one of those guys. He works for the king's court in Persia. They may be suspect of him. He doesn't know. He hasn't told anybody. But he came out and eventually he said to them, you know very well what trouble we're in. Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire. Let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and end this disgrace. Then he told them about how the gracious hand of God came upon me and about my conversation with the king. So these guys get word of him, you know, kind of snooping around a little bit. And he said, he said you know what? You know as well as I do, this, is, this isn't good. This is broken. Right. You've been living with it maybe for a while because you just sort of accept it as it is. But he's like, you know what? From the outside, he comes and says, you know, this is broken. Which is great about having outside eyes in our lives because sometimes you're just so in stuff, you can't see it. Or someone say, come in and say, hey, you know what? You're not really doing very well. You don't seem well. No one wants to hear that, but you do, but you do want to hear it kind of. He said, let's, let's do something about it. So they accept, they say, man, this is, this is bad news, but I had this conversation with the king. 
And uh, there seems to be some favor. And it says, they replied at once, yes, let's rebuild the wall. And so they began the good work. Let's rebuild the wall. And they began the good work. And I replied, the God of heaven will help us succeed. We, his servants, will start building, rebuilding this wall. The God of heaven will give us success. We, his servants, will start building. You see the both in, these kind of, in this, this story? The both end, it's God and it's God and people being obedient and putting in the time and putting in the work and putting in the effort. So God's going to deliver us, but we've got we to gotta get to work. God will give us this, this protection, this, this story. Now let's start building the wall. It's not, let's just pray that the wall goes up, which would be great. Some of us live our lives that way. We just pray for, ah, Lord, just bring up the wall. And we don't go to work. I said, Lord, the Lord is going to give us success. And they went and started rebuilding. Those areas of life that just seem like, oh, it's been in ruins for so long. And I keep praying and nothing's happened. Well, maybe there's, maybe there's a time for you to pick up a shovel and start doing work on your life. Or that relationship that's just been strained. Or that sort of sadness that's over you. Or that, that loss. Whatever that thing is to go to work. Right? I, as many of you know my story lately. I've been public about it. I was in therapy again this week. And it's, it's like, yeah, I'm sad. And, and it's really hard. But I'm going to do everything I can to, to get better. To stay healthy and be well. I'm going to pray that God would heal my heart. And I'm also going to go see a counselor. Because you know, I lost my mom and my brother last year. It's both. God, would you do something? Yes, he's going to do something. He's going he's to heal me. But I'm going to do what I have to do to make sure I'm well also. And this, this spiritual renewal that, that the people have, had experienced through Ezra is great. They've kind of backed off of doing the work. And, and, and it, has to, it has to be both. It's both, right? We make these decisions to get better, do well, but it takes efforts on our own behalf often. Right? It's both. It's the work. Like, man, I want my marriage to be better, but I don't ever talk to anyone about it. We have never gone to couples therapy. We don't have honest conversations. We don't go on dates. We don't pray. I just, you just wish it would be better. And that might be hard for some of us to hear, but this is, what, this is the message that Nehemiah is bringing. Like, you guys, it's awesome that God has delivered you and brought you here, but you're not done. You're not done here. Let's get to work. And they're excited, and he, and he, and he catalyzes this, this, this change and this sort of excitement. Like, oh, let's do it. Like, you can have, have Noah come up. Noah and Jed, you guys will, will wrap up chapter 2 right now. But it's just a, a solid lesson in that moment. Because it's easier said than, than done, right? Like, it's just easier somebody just to pray. And it always feels like everyone else's life is easier like he would, Nehemiah can show up like, oh my gosh, you guys, this is, in, this is burned down, this is in ruins, this is, a, this is a disgrace, this is a mess here. Oh, well, it must be nice, you come from the king's court, right? So sometimes that's hard. But they're working through this process together and they begin to you know, you know, evolve God and, and go to work. And it always seems like it's easier for other people to do this stuff, right? Like, ah, oh, you don't know how hard it is for me, I know... You put in the work, but I have to really put in the work. It's always easier for someone else. Always easier for everyone else's life. That's just one of the great lies we all believe. That everyone else's life is easier. 
Went on a hike yesterday, close with this, uh, yesterday morning with Bella and uh, Jet into the Santa Monica Mountains to uh, what's called Sandstone Peak. So it's highest peak in, the, in that range, if you can imagine a kind of Malibu coastline. And there's Neptune's Net, uh, the restaurant, and you swing a left driving up into the mountains about six miles up from Neptune's Net. And there's this trail this, to this peak, and it's, um, it's a pretty strenuous trail. It's not real long, but it's a lot of climbing and a lot of switchbacks, and you're, you're ascending pretty quickly. And we start off on it. And it didn't take long, you know, when you're on these things and you're feeling really good. But like after like a few steps, you're like, dang, this is hard. My legs hurt. Like my legs are burning already. And Bella and I are like, oh, we're trudging up there. And I'm looking up. We're looking up at Jet, who is just sauntering along, like walking on clouds, like barely like putting in any effort, just gliding up the trails. Right. Gliding. up. And Bella's like, how is this so easy for him? I'm like, it's not. He's faking it. <laughs> But it was easy for him. He, but he had, you know, he's in a certain condition. He's put in some work and he's just kind of cruising. But sometimes we feel like that when we look around at life like, oh, it's so easy for that person. You don't know. I don't think it's easy for someone to hike in a, in a, in a hot trail when the sun's beating down with that kind of hair in your head. That's hard. That's itchy. It's hot, sweaty. Everyone else just seems like it's easier. It's not. Everyone has their stuff. Everyone has their stuff. So Nehemiah comes down, hey, you guys have some stuff. He's like, I got stuff too, but you got some stuff. Let's start working on this together. Let's start working on this together. So God, thanks for who you are. Uh, I pray for anyone right now who needs, they just needed to hear a little poke, like, okay, maybe I need to start working on some stuff myself. Let's put our prayers to action. Maybe some of those prayers you've been praying, God's like, okay, I hear your prayers. I'm going to do something. I'm going to grant you success. Now are you going to get to work? So God, give us the strength and courage to be those people. We love you. Thank you for your story. Amen.